Everyone has an authentic and interesting story that we can all relate to. On Authentic Conversations with Stock and Hixie, our podcast gives these stories the space to be heard. Along the way, we will laugh, learn, and appreciate this interesting and crazy journey called life. Now, here is Stock and Hixie for the most authentic conversation you will hear today. Welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations with Stock and Hixie. Stock, how are you? Good, boss. I'm really good. I uh, had a good day. Um, Cutting some deals today? You know, had some some deals happening. I mean, you know, but the big deal is, is, you know, with this knee injury of yours, you've been you've been really uh, chopping and getting us going on the podcast. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would like to give a little shout out to my main man, Carter White over at uh, he's my physical therapist. Carter White. OK. Physical terrorist, otherwise known as uh, at uh, ACACPT uh, up on Elmar Square. Very nice. And, and, how and, you and Derek and Derek. How are you doing, by the way? Uh, I'm doing very well. Thanks to them. Good, good, yeah, good. And good, I good. follow instructions. I know that's hard for you to imagine, but I do. Well, it's funny you talk about instructions because we have an admiral with us today, correct? If you would let me get to that. I was <laughs> just about to get to that. <laughs> Please. Jeez Louise. <laughs> I was just going to say, have you ever talked to a real live submariner before in your whole life? One. Oh, you have? <laughs> yes. Okay. One. Well, I He's have. He's sitting I here have, today. <laughs> I, 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 well, that doesn't count before this. So I, I, I have never. I have never. Uh, but our guest today is uh, retired Rear Admiral Paul Sullivan, graduated from the Naval Academy, and we'll, we'll catch more of his background. I'm just giving you the quick cliff notes here of the broad brushes. Spent 35 years as a submariner, retiring in 2005. His last assignment uh, command was commander of all the submarines in the Pacific Fleet. Wow. Okay. Uh, out of Pearl Harbor. And he also commanded the nuclear fast attack sub USS Birmingham. Mm -hmm. nuclear fast attack sub mm -hmm. say that a couple I times i can't i can't it's pretty awesome up. though just to say it isn't oh yeah that's pretty badass absolutely <laughs> i've always wanted to say one ping one ping only or yeah crazy <laughs> ivan but we'll get to that <laughs> well, yeah we'll get to that stuff so let's focus now okay. uh also the fleet ballistics of uss florida we're truly honored to have admiral sullivan here with us today and i want you to know admiral that my father uh, was in the Marine Corps in World War II as a combat Marine in the Pacific. And if he knew right now that I was talking to you, he would be amazed. And he would say, make sure you call, refer to him as Admiral, not Paul, ever again. So with that, welcome, Admiral. Appreciate you. Well, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. And I appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk a little bit of my story and uh how I ended up where I ended up here in Charlottesville playing golf almost every day. Uh, where, where, where are you from originally? Well, I started off, I grew up in Wellesley, Massachusetts, which is where Wellesley College is located. Sure. And frankly, that's one of the reasons my wife and I settled in uh, Charlottesville is similar in a lot of ways mm -hmm. to Wellesley. The, it's one of the predominant employees uh, functions is Wellesley College, BAPS Institute. And, and sort of like UVA is here. So we felt very comfortable here. Uh, so that's how we ended up here. Now, when I grew up, it was, I was one of the baby boomers. Uh, we lived in a very special, I'll call it special neighborhood in that <clears throat> the town of Wellesley decided after World War II that Wellesley veterans, instead of just thanking them, buying them a beer, they were going to give them donate land so they could start their families. Oh, wow. wow. And so this neighborhood, you had to be a, a veteran from Wellesley. And my mother qualified for that. My dad was from another town. But the whole town, all the other people knew each other from growing up. And all the streets are named after admirals and generals. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. And uh, so I grew up on Halsey Avenue. Oh, wow. So I thought, well, that's kind of a, I was already kind of headed that towards the Navy to start with, but uh, we, we would learn a lot from, they all served. Uh, and it was interesting. A lot of them wouldn't talk a lot about it. Mm -hmm. Some would, my dad always told me, said the ones that talk about it, the ones that shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of like, just do your thing. Sure. And uh, <clears throat> growing up, uh, 
I spent a good part of my time on Cape Cod uh, in the summers with one of my aunts. Uh, and it was in Sandwich, which is right along the, the canal, mm -hmm. which had a lot of ship traffic. And I just got kind of drawn to watching these huge big ships and merchants or when a Navy ship went through there. I said, this looks really cool. Right. And my dad would remind me that he couldn't swim. <laughs> and he'd say, don't get too close to that edge because I'm not going in after you. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> so the, so I kind of, we, we played this game where we would see the smoke sacks at different symbols on them. And we would keep track of how many we caught or, or reserved over the course of the year. And so that's kind of where it started in my mind. Um, and then I, one of our neighbors was a, a senior enlisted on the USS New Jersey up in, stationed up in Boston at the time. And he said, hey, I'll, he took all us boys, we were all about 10 years old, to the ship to tour. We go, oh, okay. Wow, wow. And I, I was just couldn't, I was blown away. It was sure. like, you go up this brow and there's these guys in pristine whites huge guns right and i go wow this is really cool mm -hmm. and then went into the chief's quarters and it was all the ice cream <laughs> and uh coca-cola you could drink i go what is wrong with this <laughs> and so uh, i got kind of like this is kind of what i want to do so and, did you have that goal throughout high school i mean were you yes i did yeah and one of the things you is 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 Hixie said you went to the Naval Academy. I did. Did you have that goal in high school to get into the Naval Academy? Yes, I did. Uh, I had it actually. Uh, in seventh grade, we were all asked to write what what would you like to be when you grow up, and I wrote I want to be an I'm not a very good speller, a naval officer as a naval. And <laughs> <laughs> my I remember our teacher kind of laughed. Just got to do better than that. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I said. I really wanted to do this and it kind of focused me because I wasn't all that great a student to end up, you know, I remember my teachers telling me, you got to do better if you want to go to the Naval Academy. Right. And all I knew about the Naval Academy was from watching the TV show, Med of Annapolis. Uh -huh. It was a show that ran, you know, and these guys are all chiseled yeah, yeah. bodies, you know, yeah. and I go, wow, that's a cool place. I never went to it, by the way, before I actually went there to to start right. and so um so, so what year what, what what year did you graduate i graduated from the naval academy in 1970. Seven. so it was the vietnam war was in full bloom mm -hmm. uh but i i got my father who was uh was a postal clerk in the town of wellesley and you know i'd go down i'd go there to wait to get a ride home whatever sometimes from school and i went to the brochure cabinets, you know, they have all the recruiting. Right, right. So I, of course, grabbed a bunch of the Navy ones. This is, you know, I'm probably 12 or 13. And, you know, I filled them out and sent them in. So about- <laughs> Why, you were 12? Yeah, well, I didn't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd give them my father, he'd mail yeah. So you won't believe this, but a, 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 a sedan, a Navy sedan with the U, U.S. Navy on the side mm -hmm. with the numbers pulled up and this chief petty officer got out to recruit me. I was like 13 years old. I go, dad, what did I do? <laughs> so my father was, he had a good laugh after that. The two of them laughed and I go, God, that's how serious I was about this. Wow, Unbelievable. You were that focused. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I just kind of like that. That was the kind of thing I wanted to did do. Did you just kind of know that was your, that was it? I was hoping cause I was going to, cause when it came time to go to the Naval Academy, I was going to go to Notre Dame and, uh, you don't sound like you were really that bad of a student if no. you're picking between Notre Dame and the Naval it, Academy. Well, I, I, this helped me because I, I had to get good grades, especially in the, the STEM courses. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. But I remember uh, I always tell people my parents got a better choice than the Naval Academy. Yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> you know, when I was there, it was it was it, it's always hard when you're on your own. But one of the things I remember, you were like a little fish in a big pond. Mm -hmm. Everybody, well, I was class president. Well, so was I. Right. Well, oh, I was right. on national honor site. Well, so was I. Right. I played three sports. Well, so did I. So you realize a lot of people would say, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm just a nothing. Yeah. Well, you are as a, as a plebe at the Naval Academy. Mm -hmm. right. But they told us the first time they assembled our class, uh, and this is true, look to your right, look to your left. Mm -hmm. One of you three will be not here when you graduate. 
You know what? They're right. Yeah. And yeah. About only two thirds of the class graduated. Was it a washout because of academics or just a washout? They just didn't deal well with the environment of the military. Um, you know, it's a, it was a combination. Some people try really hard, but that's when I first realized that public schools at different locations in the country were better. I mean, where I came from, from mm -hmm. Massachusetts, there we I was pretty, you know, I didn't really, really learn anything for the first six months, new. Mm -hmm. But some people like from, you know, Southwest Texas or something, they, right, right. they struggled. And there were other people that got there, they didn't realize what they were getting into, you know, which was, and, and you, in the new academy, to survive it, you had to be want, wanted sure. to be there, mm -hmm. not because your dad wanted you there or your, or your family. You needed to be, want to be there because it's tough. It was, you know, it was go, 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 setting priorities. You could never get everything done, so you had to pick and choose and hope you picked the mm -hmm. right thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, but you learned um, really good stuff that I always tell people I'm glad I went to the Little Academy. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I'm from there, but I wouldn't want to. You go through it again. <laughs> and in the summers, while you're in the Naval Academy, would you would they have you do stuff in the Navy? I mean, uh, do like um, not internships, but I guess deployments or what? What kind of stuff were you learning um, in the summers? Yeah, they it was it was all year round. The first summer you went there, uh, similar to Marine Corps boot camp or the Navy mm -hmm. boot camp, where they purposely strip your personality down to the bare bones. And then over the course of two months, they build it back up. Mm -hmm. But as a plebe, which is a freshman or first year as you know, I'm here in Virginia, mm -hmm. um, you had, you, you gave away a lot. You, you, you were, you had a yes, sir, no, sir, no excuse, sir. The three things you could say mm -hmm. to answer any senior. And, uh, you, you know, it, another summer you went on board a ship as an enlisted rank. You know, mm -hmm. it's yeah, sure. certain people you're going to end up leading, you know, working in the fire rooms, uh, on the bridge, navigating in the combat center. So, far, you know, learn what it was like. And I'll tell you, it was very useful because you kind of knew what it was like to mm -hmm. work, start working as a team. And then the next summer you went and learned about aviation submarines. You go down to Pensacola or up to New London, Connecticut, mm -hmm. and then you go to Norfolk for the Marine Corps part of it. Mm -hmm. Which you can tell, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, you're part. making a little bit of a face <laughs> with that. What was the, what, what, Tell me, what was that about with the Marine well, Corps part? That's where I learned humidity is pretty high <laughs> in uh, tide water. Yeah. And we took an LST up, I think, one of the rivers. It must have been New York or I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. We had to charge the beach and all that. Oh, okay. But the weirdest thing was this major. I go, oh man, he looks like a mean dude to me. Well, he was my basketball coach. He was in the reserves. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. So I go, oh, he'll be nice to me. Yeah. Yeah, you can bet on that. <laughs> <laughs> so when you got your, you get your first taste of subs one summer, and it would, was that kind of the trigger? Like, hey, um, this is it was one of them. One yeah, of the, yeah. the other, tr the uh, Naval Academy would have ships come up up to the, the to Annapolis, mm -hmm. or if they couldn't make it to the pier, they would anchor in the out in the uh, the bay. And they went, you know, to show you sure. that think about this. And they had a couple of submarines. I go, I really like these. They're, I mean, small crews, the enlisted men were really sharp. You know, they really seemed to care. They were really prideful, very much prideful of their ships. And the wardrooms are small. The crews are small. And I go, you know, this is kind of like pretty nice compared to being on a big ship where you're kind of like lost in the, in the shuffle. And so. How, how big is this? Sorry. How big is the sub crew? Um, generally, well, on a fast attack submarine, it's 120 okay. with about 12 officers, of which half of those have never served on any other ship that's their first time through. And the, the only two that have had much experience are the captain and the enlisted, or excuse me, the executive officer. And then uh, you have department heads under that, and then you have the junior officers. Now, on a missile ship, a ballistic missile ship, you have about 160 because you have another department, right. the, the folks that run the, to operate the uh, missile systems, right. but they're not big crews. And, and, and you know what, they're, especially on an SSN, we, the guys have to, they call it hot rack, which means three of us would share two back, mm -hmm. two beds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, right. So one of us would be up, Rotate, yeah. Yeah, right, right. one of us, or one would be asleep, one would be up on watch, one would be up working. Mm 
and we'd rotate who slept in that bed. Yeah, sure. And our and uh, it's kind of a pretty tough life in that sense. But you're but you're a tall guy too. Yeah, I used, my first ship was a diesel boat because I was had a scholarship to go to, you know, afterwards so that Admiral Rickover wouldn't see me till I had finished my graduate school. But back to the story. I was on a diesel boat. I kept hitting my head <laughs> on the same places yeah. on the ship and the in the uh, sailors. I think they were taking bets. So here comes Ensign Sullivan. <laughs> He's going to hit his head again. <laughs> but uh, but it, you know, well, uh, but it, I understand you you enjoying the size of the number of sailors on the vessel and all. Did 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 the small close feeling of the vessel have any impact on you and psychologically i mean you you have to be a pretty special person psychologically to do subs correct yes i mean isn't there a heavy uh, weed it's, out it was a volunteer okay if, if, over the time of my underways i, I figure by the way i've spent about nine years of my life underwater wow <laughs> <laughs> so think about that um i don't want to think about that at <laughs> okay and, and, but if you have problems with claustrophobia that, yeah then then you can just raise your hand and say i i, I want off and it was it was a no harm no follow you off do something else but uh i found they work you you're working so hard yeah that you you're either sleeping uh work you know on watch uh -huh. running the reactor plant or run running the ship or you're 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 working on your qualifications there's all you're always qualified but you were so busy it didn't really impact you and i we jumped too far ahead but so really real quick so you're in the naval academy yeah you you do your summers you make it out of the naval academy and your first assignment is uh, my first assignment uh i was fortunate to your point about did you get good grades well yeah i ended up actually graduating in distinction which you know blew my mind were away. you a math and science guy uh no i was in base it was called a basic course they had okay. but i did take extra courses in reactor uh, engineering because I want to know what it was like. I love the fact right? you say you were a bad student, and now you're talking to me about <laughs> and, taking and courses so, in reactor engineering. No, what happened was I, I went to London, and I saw this guy that had just graduated a year before me, and I was going, you know, my had one year left. Mm -hmm. And I go, what are you doing here? Because you didn't, as a new ensign, you usually go to the new London. You had to go through nuke school, nuclear power school. Mm -hmm. He goes, well, I got this scholarship. It's really cool. It's called the Admiral arlie burke scholarship i go what's that about he goes it's a good deal you got to check it out so i checked it out and admiral burke who is a very famous naval officer and he was he was a hero during the war ii mm -hmm. as a surface officer and he was a cno the chief of naval operations which is the senior admiral in the navy during a very dynamic time during the eisenhower years and he's responsible for creating the sea base deterrent, you know, nuclear deterrent, all that. Mm -hmm. He was just a, a forward thinker. So he had this program. He wanted line officers, a line officer is someone who drives ships mm -hmm. or flies planes, uh, to be able to talk intelligently with the technical community, you know, guys with PhDs, they, they always tend to look down their nose at, you know, the people don't have them and mm -hmm. and our goal his goal you mean to look down their nose at a naval graduate who studied nuclear yeah that's what he means yeah that's what he means well i mean you know i have a phd <laughs> or whatever and you know i will have you know whatever yeah yeah sure. so so i the deal was you got accepted which i did and you you could you could pick any graduate school in the country that would accept you and if they had a ROTC unit You'd mm -hmm. be if they didn't, they would pay, they just paid. So, uh, because of that, as I mentioned before, Admiral Rickover said, I'm not seeing you until you're ready to come into my program. And so we, I went, my first assignment was basic submarine school. Mm -hmm. And it was like a whole bunch of us ensigns that were going to diesel submarines, you know, kind of a dying thing. But I go, you know, I learned a lot and and really got to understand what a submarine was about and then i deployed on my first submarine to the to asia and i'll talk a little more about that later but i i thought i died and went to heaven i was out there and <laughs> and i came aboard and in, in uh, subic bay philippines 
I didn't even know what it, where I, I said, hey, take me to my ship. I didn't know where it was because all the numbers are blocked out and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, this would be, let me go to bed. I've been up all night flying out here. They, they made me get the ship underway. They made me rig two compartments for dive, which means you check and make sure everything's ready to submerge. Mm -hmm. And then they made me submerge the ship as a diving officer. And you just I, I just ship. showed up. <laughs> and they just said, well, we're going to see what you're made of. Right. That's kind of what I walked into. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I go, I think I did pick the right thing here. So after I finished uh, two years on the USS Cayman, the Flamin Cayman was called. Okay. Uh, Do they all have nicknames? Oh, I, yeah. Some not good for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, we, but I ended up, uh, I got accepted at MIT and uh, they had a joint program with Woods Hole Oceanographic mm -hmm, Institute sure. down in uh, Falmouth, Massachusetts, actually in Woods Hole. So I, I ended up going there for about three years and got two degrees. Uh, one master's with, degree. A master's degree in ocean engineering and an engineer's degree, which is like a super master's from both schools. So believe me, the Navy kind of gave me, it's our turn now because I owed them. The scholarship. Uh, nine, yeah, them. nine yeah. years. So that's when I went to see the Admiral Rickover. And, uh, you know, fortunately, the day I went to see him, he was, he was sick. And the next day he had to testify. So I didn't have to have my grilling with him, <laughs> but I did have it with his assistant. It was a very nice man. He goes, how did you, how was MIT? Did you like it? Yes. Because it really taught me to think, because digressing a little bit, the Naval Academy, if you're good at rote memory, you can do all right at mit every test is open book it's not what you can store in your head it's what you gotta look at the paper mm -hmm. answer figure out the question and come up with a solution so the two of them were kind of like at first it was tough to understand that but it but it was really good for me mm -hmm. and that's when i beat after that i went to nuclear power school and uh is it, is it hard to get into nuclear power school um yes or be selected well, i should say they they require, uh, you know, certain grade average, mm -hmm. but they interview everybody and everybody's an individual, right? Mm -hmm. Now, here's a, a little bit for you to think about. When I was captain of a submarine, you know, I always, the new kids would come in and I'd talk to them and say, where'd you go to school? And, you know, you try to get a profile of the guy. Where did you, uh, what was your major? I found out the best nukes weren't the guys that graduated nuclear engineering or, you know, uh, modern physics or whatever. It was usually a guy that had a technical degree, like in biology, mm -hmm. uh, but he could, in, so he could, he could read technical stuff, but follow the Navy books. He didn't say, Oh, I know all this stuff. I don't have to follow the, mm -hmm. and, and so and then sometimes guys who they were, we call them, uh, bull majors, the English, they were good. I mean, it's a matter of what you can do and make decisions. Mm -hmm. But the idea that you, uh, you know, I, I had a high degree of technical degree that makes me going to be a good submarine officer is not not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, I'm sure there are other certain characteristics or traits of somebody you would look for uh, to be a submariner. Yes, uh, it's such a small crew, and anybody who's on watch could. If they don't do it right, you, it could yeah. endanger the ship. I mean, because uh, one of the basic rules of submarining is salt water is basically unfair, and you can't push a rope. Mm -hmm. You know, if you remember that, you can get through mm -hmm. submarining. <laughs> and but you wanted integrity, honesty, and this program. Well, we inherited from our forefathers in the. War two, you know, all the submariners, I got to meet most of them, the Medal of Honor winners and so forth. But Admiral Rickover, his philosophy was, if you make a mistake, owe up to it, learn from it, and move on. And and that's, that's what you learn. And sometimes it's really hard to raise your hand and say, hey, I screwed this up, or I yeah. messed this up. Or, but you put the troops or the sailors, you don't, you want them to say, I messed up not to say i'll cover it up mm -hmm. and so that you, you have to believe someone you can't have time to uh you know just check behind them or whatever sure, sure. so so yeah i 
I value that. You know, you didn't ask a lot of questions. They told you what's going on and you went with it. Right. I can see how you were talking about the uh, the number of sailors on a sub versus, say, a uh, 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 aircraft carrier or something. So there's like 3,000, right? You could probably pretty hide and hide with 3,000 people, mm -hmm, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I know that's not a good analogy, but with 120 people, you better. It's, but it's true. You, you better you better be on point. Oh, yeah. yeah. You better be on point. Well, I mean, on a, an aircraft carrier, you could be in charge of Coke machines. Right. And I don't say that flippantly, but. Okay. Or uh, on our ships, right away you got a job. You're in charge of all uh, nuclear in, nuclear mechanical engineering. You're in charge of the non-nuclear mechanical engineering. You're in charge of the reactor controls, and when you had to perform. Now you had a good chief petty officer. Typically, it would hold hold your shirt tails, make sure you sure. you know mm -hmm. didn't stick. I mean, it was cut, it's a team, right? Yeah. yeah. But I will tell you, all the sailor. I've met so many great sailors. Uh, talk some more at the end, I guess, but I will, the best sailors on a submarine, believe it or not, usually came off farms. Uh, because, uh, yeah, because they're, they're mechanically have in, inclined, yeah. inclined, they have, they can look at something and figure out how it works. And if you're a thousand or so miles from anywhere, you gotta have, you, you gotta have a, you have a lathe and a welder and they gotta figure, they can make a part, make it work. Right. And, uh. It was amazing what they could, you know, just intuitively figure out. Uh, I'm this one uh, particular mechanic, nuclear mechanic, when I was engineer, I really loved this guy, and and I, he was from Minnesota. And I said, I said, uh, Gibbs, uh, how did why did you join the Navy? He said, Well, sir, the judge gave me the choice: <laughs> <laughs> jail or the Navy. I, I said, and then so we had a an issue back aft with this with a valve that was leaking steam around the gaskets that not good because it was where it was located you could it was going to be a extensive repair underway and he comes back goes hey Inge, i was an engineer at the time he goes i fixed it and i go what did you do and he goes i torqued it you know and i go okay well what what was what value did you use he goes two star i said two star he said yeah i I, I torqued it till I saw the stars <laughs> and I go, Oh my God. Cause if it, if this had been a, if he'd broken the stud, it would have been really bad. Yeah, right, right. But, but anyway, they, they're just incredible what they know. Authentic conversations with stock and Hixie is brought to you by AntiguaThreads.com. So you, 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 you went on to your, your first sub, you, Obviously, they gave you a lot of responsibility. And then as your career progressed in the subs, where, where did you go? Where were you stationed? What was, what was the progression like? Okay. Um, as I mentioned, I went to graduate school for three years yeah. and then the nuclear power school took another year. And then my first ship was an SSN named the USS Dace out of uh, Rotten, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And I was junior officer there with the idea I'd have to qualify engineer to go on to be an engineer. And then I was able to do that and stayed on to be the engineer of the USS uh, George C. Marshall, which was a, a missile firing ship. And so that was my first, it was a beautiful ship, well-maintained. Uh, and at that point, uh, I, went, I, I went on to executive officer right away because I was kept being told I was behind my peers because I did three years of graduate school. Oh, mm -hmm. But I never would have traded that, of course. But um, so I went on to the be executive officer on an SSN called the Richard B. Russell. Uh, submarines are normally named after fish. He's but, a senator from Georgia. Right. Well, Rick Over started naming him after people that were helpful to him. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, uh, <laughs> so, so at that point they said, do you want to go on to command right away? And I go, my gosh, I've been going to work for nine straight years through a 21 inch hatch, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I need a break. My family needs a break. Yeah. So you, um, you're married and you have children now? Um, my wife and I, and, and I met, uh, she's actually from Wellesley. She was my sister's roommate at UMass. Ah. And I knew her growing up, 
I played, you know, I used to play sports with her brothers mm-hmm. and Ann was such a good athlete. She was the only girl who would let play with us <laughs> wow. because she was, and she ended up most athletic in her high school class and okay. PT. So we ended up, we didn't date or anything until I was my second year, third year at the Naval Academy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we ended up getting married a year after I graduated. She had a year left uh, to get her degree and she did her last year out of San Diego state. And that was our first mm-hmm. station station together. And, um, She's been with me ever since. Uh, she occasionally likes to remind me that she has had 28 addresses. Wow. And Unbelievable. Uh, so frankly, when I was gone, she raised our family. We have a, a son and a daughter, Shane and uh, Megan. They're now in their late, later 40s. Our, my son ended up being a, uh, he went into the Navy, which really surprised me. I said, you know what you're getting into. I didn't know. And uh, he, <laughs> He ended up flying. Mm-hmm. He flies F eight F eighteens. He was the CEO of a fighter squadron. Oh wow! Which I thought was actually pretty good because I said, "If you shade, if you don't fly, the nukes are going to get you." Because you know he was an engineer and mm-hmm. they know me. And uh, but he, I still don't know how he does that. I, I you know some of the stuff he tells me. He said you can tell me, but I, don't tell your mother too much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, and our daughter, uh, she lives out in Washington State. And she's a librarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went to all the schools out there and stuff. So our kids, if you ask them where they're from, mm-hmm. they'll say Seattle. Because okay. that's where they graduated you know, in that area from high school. And it and is they, a and sacrifice. They, I mean, spouses really do make a sacrifice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah they really. Well, first of all, the money was awful. In fact, sure. when I was in graduate school, uh, and as a, as a PE teacher, mm-hmm. first year PE teacher was making more than I was. You know, give you an sure, idea, and sure. uh, you know, you you make it work, right? And our kids that didn't really have issues with it until they got in about high school, and then all of a sudden, sure, you you're making my life miserable. You're making me leave my friends, and then they as soon as they get back in school, they'd catch on. Yeah, but you know, our kids were so much more socially adapt than we were because sure. they they were so used to different situations, sure. and uh, they lived in so many different places. I think as long as you keep the family strong, mm-hmm. things work out. I mean, the tough parts, and I had to do this as a commanding officer more than once, you know, if somebody's parent dies, you know, we get them off the ship so they can go to the, the, uh, the yeah. interments and yeah. so forth. Uh, or somebody gets sick in their family, we'll get them off or if they get sick. Um, but it, but it's tough to, to, to know, like you're going to leave for six months and yeah. your kid, oh, yeah. your kids. I remember my daughter was just, she was just a couple of years old, but she kind of looked at me like, who are you? Yeah, you know, yeah, and then, yeah, your yeah. son was a little bit better about that. But, but after a while, they, I mean, right now, some, my son and I, we, we talk all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, just, it just, life is what it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but to, to your point, Rob, the families make a huge sacrifice. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times, uh, you know, Ann's bailed me out. Mm-hmm. She's hey. lovely. I've, I've met Ann, and she's lovely. And I, uh, I think, I think, uh, I could see her uh, really toeing the line for the family, doing a wonderful job. Yeah. Well, she kept, you know, the, in the Navy, she has a nickname. She'll kill me for saying this, but Saint Ann. Ah, yes. I love it. Because she kept me under control. (laughs) (laughs) And so you kept moving up, right? Uh, Yes. And you eventually became head of the Pacific Fleet? That's right. I I was selected admiral uh, at the 26-year point. I didn't expect it, but it's all the last competitive rank in either the Army or the Navy is your 06 captain in the Navy, colonel in the Army, mm-hmm. or Air Force. And after that, who gets selected for Admiral? They, for everyone they select, there's 50 more that could do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 the right time, right place, what they need. And I was selected. I was like shocked. I go, oh my gosh, I didn't expect this. What all the things I kept saying? What are they going to get me on? You know, because they go back and do background, background, all that. And, um, but it, it was a real honor. I mean, I, I got to tell you the first time I 
my first job was in command. I was in charge of all the Trident submarines in the Pacific out in uh, Bangor, Washington. And the first time I went to a change of command, they played the Admiral's March. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had goosebumps. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Yeah. But, oh, it, but it was like... I'm getting goosebumps right now. But I got to tell you, I, I look at my career to like three parts. I call it waterfront rat, where I was on the ships doing doing Lord's work. Mm -hmm. uh, in command. I love command. You know, any day you could be sound asleep, it could be, it could be your last. Mm -hmm. You know, you could, you know, one of your guys mess up or, you know, you're responsible. You're responsible for everything all the time. Mm -hmm. And that gets a lot of people they get consumed by it, but others thrive, I thrive on it. You know, yeah, you know, my wife's fond of saying, how did you run a billion dollar submarine? You can't even change a light bulb. And I go, <laughs> I, go I go, well, I, I have 160 guys who can. Yeah, 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 I'm but, de uh, delegating. <laughs> but uh, but that, that was really pretty interesting. That had some pretty interesting jobs in Washington. What, working in the Pentagon is tough, tough jobs. I was like, if you will, the CFO, chief financial officer for the submarine force. Mm -hmm. So you're fighting for dollars. And I was there, frankly, when 9-11 happened. And uh, I was away in New London uh, giving a speech mm -hmm. in a submarine thing. And I, my aide comes up to me, goes, hey, Admiral, uh, Captain Malloy, who was my executive assistant, uh, ended up as a three star, but he he goes. They're leaving the office. I said, "What are they doing that for?" Because we had we had heard about the airplane going into the mm -hmm. twin, you know, to the twin towers. Twin towers. And no, it was just a small flight. You know, the story wasn't right. Well, <clears throat> um, the plane that hit the Pentagon hit right outside my office, mm. but it bounced off the ground first. That killed a lot of the kinetic energy, but the people that died were underneath uh, the first floor on the ground there. The Pentagon's five rings, we were in the middle ring, and they thought all the people that I that worked for me were dead because the flames from the fuel mm -hmm. in, just yeah. consumed uh, the uh, the corridor. Mm -hmm. And they all got out, and th they said they just had re remodeled this, and they had these doors that were like, it reminded me of that, what's that movie with the, the the doors that slide the guy's trying to escape you know indiana jones oh yeah yeah and they go they didn't realize you could push against them they go back out mm -hmm. but they go oh my god you know yeah. so all the guys that work for me got out no problem mm -hmm. uh a big piece of the plane hit it right outside my mm. window and it was like bulletproof glass so it bowed it all in i guess and but the i got back and the officers who worked for me said action officers we call them they're all kind of bummed out. And I said, well, guys, everybody's okay. And they said, yeah, but they, I think we lost all our computers. And I go, well, they back it up in the service room because that's where the plane hit. So they thought oh. they're going to have to do all these new briefs oh, for the budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And what turned out that they would let them go back in and get the towers. But I got back to Washington and you didn't hear a plane because all the airports sure, were closed. Sure. We did hear President uh, Bush when he came back you know, mm -hmm. after all that, yeah, right, you know, and right. it, sure, it was sure. like one, two, you know, a couple of helicopters, yeah. but it was the strangest thing. It was like, in yeah. in Washington turned different overnight. It went from, we lived near on Navy Yard, which is right off uh, Capitol uh, Hill. Mm -hmm. It was open. I'd go out and run on the weekends. When I got back, there were more Jersey barriers mm -hmm. than I'd ever seen. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty dramatic and the country really rallied around you know what do you need how do we feed how do we defeat these people mm -hmm. and it was a very special feeling i'll never forget that what can you t t talk to us and we're jumping around a little bit but can you talk to us about the submarines in the in the navy in the u.s navy how they uh how they were used when you started versus the progression or the sure. w lack of whatever it is yeah that, I, i'm obviously been out of the business for a while, but I will tell you the thing that the submarine brings to the, to the, to the game is, are we there or aren't we there? Uh, you know, nuclear submarine can stay submerged as long as you have food, right? You run out of food. The, the, the powering, food, food is interesting. It goes from 
you know, fresh milk and color, you know, vegetables to can stuff to everything brown. You know? <laughs> so, so anyways, uh, you, you know, you go, you go out on mission, uh, the, I'll talk about SSNs where you collect a lot of intelligence. Uh, you know, you, you have sensors that are really good, really cleverly made, if you will. And we, we were collecting things that the president was using to make decisions. I mean, we knew that because right. we don't see what would happen. And, um, you know, not every day was great, but, um, boy, we did a lot of good stuff and, uh, we never, never flinched during the cold war. We were ready. And, uh, the folks that, that, uh, trained me, I just admire so much. When I was an admiral later on, I, I set up a program because they were getting older and we wanted to videotape their missions. There were special missions, you know, really important missions. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, they're still classified, but it was, we wanted to hear it from their, from them, knowing that, you know, who knows sure, sure. when they're going to pass. So I'd come in, I'd give the retired admiral or captain, I'd give him his patrol reports and say, you can read these to fresh your memories. And these guys would come back with tears in their eyes and go, I forgot we did all that stuff. Yeah, They were just like, yeah, and yeah. so they would just open up and talk. And those things are still somewhere in the Navy. But uh, this nation owes a, a lot of uh, debt of gra gratitude to the folks who made it, who worked hard underneath the water. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, we were silent service, which means we didn't talk about it. And then we found out when you have to start looking for dollars, you have to start talking about it. And that's right. why it's a lot more open now. Right. On the SSBN side, the Trident submarines, that's been, that there's been doing this since George Washington did it in 1961 or so. And it, it is such an easy, it's such an incredible system. Uh, I've, I've managed to shoot a few missiles. You know, they're obviously uh, don't have a nuclear warhead on them. But uh, it is so easy to do. I mean, literally, you know where you are. Uh, you don't depend on any satellites or anything. Right. You inertial navigation. You you get the ship hovering, and you shoot this thing, and half hour later, it's fifty five hundred miles away on on target. Jeez. And so, that is a great deterrent. Uh, yeah, it has been. yeah, yeah. And you know, after the Cold War ended, it was like, well, we don't need these anymore. Well, I think we kept saying you need something right. and we were kind of gone back to that but i found uh there was a few things i ever did in a submarine that didn't make a difference so i i always felt good about that and then when i became the commander you know i commanded 40 crews and uh you know a submarine tender a bunch of ssns ssbns and i watched those crews and what they did and you know everybody said well you beat the russians back and there's not a job for you. Well, there, there was, it was the emerging of China. You know, we all know sure, that. Sure, sure. And these guys had to recreate, you know, a new, a new game, a new version of the game. Right. And, uh, they're so different when I was, I'll give you an example. When I was commanding officer, you know, the big fight was over what movie we were going to watch, you know, the crew, right. they'd be fighting over, you know, you have one, one and it was yeah. a really good movie. They call it hot reeling yeah. from what, from, uh, we're like the cruise mess to the, the chief's quarters, which we call the goat quarter, goat locker, by the way, I love yeah. the but, but they used to reel them, you know, here's a hot reel. Yeah. And then I went aboard a Trident submarine, you know, as commanding officer. I said to my chief of the boat, the senior list, I go, where's the movie list? And he goes, what are you talking about, sir? <laughs> We can watch movies in seven places. We don't, you know, they're all oh, right. on uh, video. Oh, yeah. Uh, VCR so, thing. Yeah, yeah. So then, so, but the guys would all talk about the movie. Who picked that movie? And they'd fight, you know. Oh, yeah. Give each other a hard time. Yeah, yeah. You'd be waiting in, you know, waiting in line to eat, bitching about, or excuse me, <laughs> talk, you know, not yeah. being, that was a topic of discussion about each other. Now, you, you know, my last few years going to see, as an admiral, it was they all their individual devices. Maybe sure. they don't. They, they don't. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's different. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. but it, but I do remember that. Did you did you have any personal uh, interplay with the Soviets 
I mean, you know, in the sub, um, if you can talk about that. I made Admiral, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> now that's a good answer. I love it. That's a good answer right there. It's very good. How do you, um, and I, I want this to be a sensitive or political discussion, but how how is the Navy and the submarine uh, capability in the Navy now, and is it as strong as ever? Is Are there changes needed? Any feelings about that? Uh, sure. I mean, submarines were thought, well, they were kind of like, sort of like when diesel boats went away and nukes came in. Mm -hmm. and it was a whole new world. And they said, well, in the early 2000s, it was like, well, what do we need all these submarines for? And they decommissioned a bunch. And we, but we had to keep building. We kept telling people, if you don't build them, the craftsmen, like down in Newport News mm -hmm. or up in an electric boat in go Grodd, they go away. And, they, and this stuff is, is, I mean, they make them totally different now. Mm -hmm. But you still, the craftsmanship, you need to have people that know how to do this stuff. So we were going down to, uh, you know, the Seawolf class one a year, which is hardly enough. To, you're like on life support. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the numbers. I would brief the Secretary of the Navy or one of his assistants on, hey, look at the number of submarines, how, where they're going to go in like 2015. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were down to like 40. And you can almost see them counting on their fingers, politicians. This is uh, 2002, 2015. I'm long gone. Right, you know, right, so the right, people right. that have, it's really hard to have long vision. Mm -hmm. And a submarine takes five or six years to build. Sure. So to, to, to answer your question, yeah, they're they're doing a lot of stuff, a lot of things that maybe we didn't do, but they're they're really important. Um, the Virginia class, uh, new SSN, up to two a year, and, and frankly, when I worked for North Grumman after uh, I left, I retired from the Navy. I was part of the team that built all the turbines out mm -hmm. in Sunnyville, uh, California, for all these uh, ships and. Uh, the nuclear carriers so you know it's kind of interesting to watch how it all puts together everything is modern i mean everything is made differently you know they the machines are all these uh computer driven sure uh, and and so they're really well-built ships but as i mentioned before saltwater is basically unfair mm -hmm. um you really have to maintain them and we learned that when the thresher was lost in the scorpion you've got to maintain these ships and uh, but I go, I was on a, one of the, uh, ships, the, uh, the Indiana, when it was being commissioned and, and the CO was showing me, we, you know, there, we were there and he goes, this is what we do. No longer you have a periscope, you Kylie, it's, it's a, a, basically a TV on the end of a pole, right? And they're driving it off, uh, one of those, uh, game the remote control. Thing. Yeah. 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 Like your kids really? have. Yeah. And I go, that's crazy. And he goes, yeah, they only last about a month or so, but we just put them a new one. And he said, all the sailors know, know how, how to, to use it. them. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> sure. it's their generation, yeah, right? Of course, of course. So you, I think the submarine force has made a huge adjustment. All the charts, electronic, mm -hmm. the, it, the, the camaraderie is there. Uh, I mean, it's, in a, and I'm, I'm very happy that they opened it up to both the women and guys. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, people want to do that, let them do it. Mm -hmm. It's a tough life, really is. Yeah. yeah. I'm hanging, no doubt. Well, I, let me say that uh, as an individual citizen and as someone that knows you, how grateful I am. Um, for what you have done for our country. My dad happened to be a World War II vet also um, and fought in the Philippines. And um, I, 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 I'm basically one of the few times in my life at a loss for words. Thank you. <laughs> I, it's amazing. And um, everything you all have done for the country and specifically everything you did for your service. I mean, what an incredible, incredible yeah. story. And what a life well lived. You know, honestly. Well, I appreciate it, Rob. I, I would like to just finish up yeah. a couple words on the sailors. You know, sailors are the greatest. They're Americans. And I got to tell you, as long as we keep producing these kids, it, it's work will be just fine. I mean, most of them, you know, I, I call it a nuclear family where you had them 
mother, father, and brothers, sisters. Most of these kids, a lot of them don't. They're raised by other relatives mm -hmm. or whatever. They come into the Navy. They don't really have a sense of teamwork like, you know, we would had in high school sports. Mm -hmm. um, and watch them transform, you know, earning their dolphins, a symbol that you're now a submariner. And the way they adjust to be team members, trust each other, uh, become adults, it's a really remark remarkable. I don't think pe people appreciate the average age on a submarine is 20 years old. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. And, wow. and I found when I was, uh, you know, Admiral in my mid 50s, the ladders got longer to climb oh, yeah. <laughs> and the and the uh, racks or the beds got harder. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a it's a young person's game. And these guys are just incredible. Then they go off and a lot of them stay in the Navy, but a lot of them don't. Mm -hmm. They use the GI Bill a lot of them. And I these guys contact me all the time. They're they're stockbrokers, they're financial advisors, they're whatever, teachers. And they're so good at what they do. Right. And they remember they, they were so close to each other. They don't, they remember everything. You know, I, I don't remember a lot of stuff we did because, you know, I kind of just said, well, I did it. How great is it they contact you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, example is one guy was just a major, I can't use that word, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> and I said, I, he was from Pittsburgh and he came from a fairly well-off family. And I kept saying, what, what can I do to get this guy's attention? And then I remembered, uh, I'll call his mother. <laughs> and that's like, that's like capital punishment. The worst thing ever. <laughs> and, his, and his mother and father came out there and he was in uh, doing some uh, restricted duty stuff. And that guy flew straight after that. That's amazing. <laughs> and, he, and he ended up getting all his, he ended up retiring as his master chief. And he wrote me a letter and he said, you know, you changed my life. I felt like saying, well, I think it was your mother, <laughs> but, uh, awesome. but, but uh, you just don't give up on these kids. They're just hardworking and they want to do the right thing. And our country spends a lot of money on defense and you go, oh, what's all this for? Well, I got to, I used to tell some staffers what it's for is these kids leave the Navy mm -hmm. and they're got a, they got skills and they're a solid tax paying citizen mm -hmm. and they grow their, they pay, grow and become prominent members of the community. That's what you pay for. Yeah. And they were lucky yeah. to serve under you as well. Yeah. All right. No, no, no doubt. Uh, Admiral, just honored that you were here today, that you would take the time to talk to stock and me, <laughs> um, really you, you, just from your, your words, we could spend five hours talking about this stuff, but, um, we, we do need to wrap it up, but just again, thank you. And your, uh, you could tell you were a great commander and that you're, you wanted to take the time to talk about the, the enlisted men and the, and the people who worked for you and, and who you led, which is a, a major responsibility. So, so thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Authentic Conversations with Stock and Hicksie is broadcast for the world from Charlottesville, Virginia by Tom Hicks and Rob Stockhausen. Please like, follow, and share if you have enjoyed this conversation. Have an authentic day.